Welcome to Sports Beat KC, a sports podcast presented by the Kansas City Star. I'm Blair Kirkhoff, and on today's show, we're talking Royals and Chiefs. Vahe Gregorian and I discuss baseball's unwritten rules. Also, Brooke Pryor stops by to talk all things Chiefs, and that means the comments of General Manager Brett Veach. You'll hear from him later. And the 2019 schedule that was released earlier this week. As baseball brawls go, this one was pretty tame. White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson stepped to the plate to open the sixth inning, and Royal starter Brad Keller plunked him on the backside on the first pitch, a 92-mile-an-hour fastball. Anderson looked like he wanted to step toward Keller, but catcher Martin Maldonado got in between him. Why did this happen? This is where we get into baseball's unwritten rules. Two innings earlier, Anderson hit a two-run homer, flipped his bat, and after circling the bases, came close to, if not brushing, Maldonado on the way back to the dugout. The benches cleared. There were plenty of tempers and jersey grabbing, but I didn't see any punches thrown. The highlight was Royals manager Ned Yost jawing with his counterpart, Rick Renteria. Yost said after the game that he flared up because Renteria was yelling at Royals players to get back to the dugout. The incident made news because, first of all, it was an afternoon game, so you had all day to talk about it. And secondly, it revisited a question baseball's been asking itself a lot lately, and one that I'll ask you, Vahe. Should baseball have unwritten rules when it comes to celebrating home runs? It's a very simple question, but there's a lot to unpack here, isn't there, Blair? I, I, you've got me thinking about 10 things as I, as I ponder this. First of all, let's remember that Brad Keller said the ball got away from him. In, in, in fine baseball tradition, you have to ask him after the game about the pitch, and he has to answer the way that he did. He has to say that while other players are saying he did the right thing by hitting him, That's right. uh, as, as Hunter Dozier, I think, uh, eloquently put he it. Um, you know, the first thing I think of when I see this reaction is I'm kind of a written rule guy. I don't like unwritten rules. Um, and it's because it, you never know what the rules are. You don't. I mean, I, I, I have trouble enough handling, handling the ones that I know I'm supposed to handle. Like the Royals Clubhouse, for instance. What do, you, what do you not do in spring training? You don't step on the Royals logo in the middle of the clubhouse. That's right. Does anybody tell you this till you step on the logo? No. <laughs> These are the kinds of things that just ruin my day all, all day long. I'm always thinking about that. So anyway, I, I stray away from the point here. Um, I think it takes a little bit of nerve for the Royals to be so offended after the, and I'll call it, after the joy with which they played in 14 and 15 particularly, had no bounds really in these sorts of things. Now, where are you gonna draw the line on what is excessive? Good luck with that. Um, As I understand it, and you might be able to disabuse me of this, it seems that Anderson's, um, whatever you wanna call it, transgression, was more maybe than just the bat throw, right? There was some chirping going on too. Um, there was, there was, and and the and it wasn't just a bat flip; it was a fling. I mean, he <laughs> right. he knew he had hit it. It was it was almost like one of those uh, Jose Batista, you know, fl- if, if, uh, beyond a Batista flip. He took the bat and, and flung it with with authority, with a little bit of mustard on it, and um, and, and then circled the bases. And he did seem to brush Maldonado a little bit. He came really close. He had all this room to, to go outside. That, that to me, was the, almost the greater offense. I'm okay with the bat flip. I think the bat flip is joy. You know, it's joy. Even if you do it with a little bit of an edge. But don't brush up or come close to brushing up against a player like that. I think that's right. And I think that's probably, if you really broke it down, it'd be nice if you get real just complete, honest breakdown from the opponent about, okay, where did it really go too far? Um, because... Don't, don't we have some room for evolution of some of the unwritten rules? I can't, 
Can't these change over time? And it is interesting to just sort of shift it in your head and apply it to other sports, right? And think about, you know, what it would take to get, you know, a benches clearing brawl from, you know, a guy spiking a football. Or, you know, I mean, it's just... Or a slam dunk. Or a slam dunk, yeah. As we watch the NBA playoffs. And, I mean, can you imagine... I can't remember who they played now, but can you imagine the opponents taking offense when Tyreek Hill scored a touchdown, climbed into the stands, and <laughs> got behind the camera? <laughs> or or doing his James Brown thing. There were so many things. Right. You know. The potato sack race in Dallas a couple of years <laughs> yeah, ago. They had some great and clever celebrations that I think that maybe the difference here is, at least when it comes to with football celebrations, that's not, um, that's not in your face. That's That's not... That directed at the opponent. Well, right. That, and that's part of the remember Tyreek Hill got the got the penalty in Los Angeles. I think it was <laughs> yeah. for doing the peace sign, but this time it was towards another Turned player. Turned around as he's going into the end zone and, and flashed. And that really is a, a line there. You know, I will say this by the way, um, Keller throwing the ball where he did. If you're going to do that, okay. I mean, right. It, it where it really inflames me, and it, it was remember the Noah Syndergaard thing at. at Escobar in, 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 the, in the World, World Series. Series game three. I, I was truly disgusted by that, and I get that Bob Gibson would do that. You know, every game, you know, throw the ball at, at people's heads, and you know, I own the strike zone. Well, I, I, I do think baseball has kind of moved on from that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't, I don't think these cases often get a beaning; they get a plunking. Yes, I think that's the best nice. way to describe yeah. it. And for those who, um, this is this is another <laughs> one. Glossary. Of those, yeah, well, this is another one of those unwritten rules when a uh, when a pitcher is attempting to throw the baseball at a batter uh, in, in some form of retaliation for either a home run that was hit. And, and keep in mind, in this game on Wednesday, Gordon Alex Gordon was hit by a pitch in the first inning, so you know there was a little bit of that part of the equation. But it's below the belt and it's on the backside. It's basically on the player's butt. Yeah. You know, the and you know that's where it's the softest. And you know you're not gonna you're not gonna have injury there. So that that's one of that is an unwritten rule. Well, listen, and here's the other thing that was on my mind watching that the other day. Who's on the White, White Sox these days? But Kelvin Herrera. Now, Kelvin Herrera, we can remember for many great things, but a, a rather infamous moment of his when he threw. I was a Brett Lowry's head he threw at. And, yes, and I think you're right. And and missed, but then pointed to his head later, like, and then Kelvin's answer afterwards was uh, not the ball got away from him. He just that he was trying to make uh, Lowry think about it <laughs> as opposed to, you know, I'm throwing at your cabeza. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, I, but can you imagine if Kelvin had hit somebody high late in that game? Uh, I with, mean, it, with his, arm, been it. With his arm and his history and it being against the Royals, but I don't think there's any animosity with the Royals. I mean, I think he treasures his time with the Royals. Right. So. And, and there was a little history. There is a little history between Anderson and the Royals and the White Sox yeah. and the Royals, too. And someone had a really good tweet. I think it was Mick Schaefer from Channel 41 who says, nothing good seems to happen along the first baseline <laughs> Yes, in, in White Sox Stadium. Yes, that was Ventura, uh, John, with somebody. Yes. Uh, who and it, was it? Well, um, it was also when the fans came out of the stands. I believe this is actually before you actually came here. But okay. a fan came out of the stands and brawled with the Royals' first base coach. <laughs> so it's uh, there, there's a history of uh, of, of, of uh, craziness that, is that goes on. Is that permitted in the unwritten rules? The uh, the, the brawl with a first base coach <laughs> from a fan. That's, that is that one. That's a written rule, I believe. That that is not an unwritten rule. So, so. look, let me get, flip this on you real quick. Why why can't baseball write down these rules? Because retaliation isn't really supposed to be part of the game. Because I mean, <laughs> because of what Brad Keller said after the game 
it just got away from him. You know, it just got away. You're going to blame, you're going to fine him for, you know, for a pitch that he was trying to throw inside, trying to protect the plate a little bit. So that's what makes it, you know, th- that's what makes it uh, so much gray area when, when it yeah. comes to yeah. th- these, these senses. I think the whole thing could have been avoided if Anderson, who is something of a hothead, if he had just taken first base, hit by a pitch, understand what had just happened. Yes. You know, even if you wanted to stare down Keller for a moment, stare him down, but Maldonado got in between him, just go to first base and take your base. But he was jawing a little bit. Well, one last thing there, too. I, I did think it was kind of flimsy reason to throw, from what I could tell, to throw Anderson out. Yeah, that's we didn't talk about that. Not only Anderson, Anderson got ejected, Dale uh, Keller, Dale Fame, uh, and and Keller. I think there were a total of four who got ejected. And I actually think the Royals got the better of that deal because Anderson's one of the hottest hitters in baseball, and Keller was already at ninety pitches. He only had yeah. about an end. That was probably his last inning. He was probably at his pitch count. Why don't you use this last one that way? What was kind of funny, also, I don't know if you were watching on TV, but um, Ned, Ned Yost, I didn't really understand why he didn't get kicked out. And then the camera flashed on him as the game resumed, and he was kind of just sort of chortling, talking to whoever was next to him. And it seemed to me he was basically saying, I can't believe I didn't get kicked out. Right. I'm just making that up, but that's what it looked like to me. So uh, the Royals got the win, 4-3 uh, yep. to three in, in 10 innings. Hunter Dozier hit the 10th inning home run. The road trip continues. That started a 10-game road trip. It continues in New York and Tampa Bay before the Royals come home next week. So, Vahe, before we let you go, what's your Sunday call? Well, we've been thinking a lot about the Chiefs, looking looking towards the draft, but also, again, thinking about kind of the uh, absolute just dismantling of the defense in every single way. And uh, so I'm sort of writing about that in the context of um, the, the energy that that seems to be bringing around Arrowhead. You know, we, we thought a little bit today about the energy it brings when somebody's telling you that Andy's got a, uh, Andy Reid's got a stack of index cards this thick with new Pat plays, but... The flip side is that's not really going to matter very much if uh, the defense doesn't doesn't change. And uh, I'll give this to them. I've thought about this a lot because I, I was a little I was critical of them early because I didn't really understand where this was all going with the big changes. But frankly, I I, I, I find myself impressed with their boldness, and and you know they're they're going after it. It was it wasn't just um, jettisoning. Star, you know, veterans, um, Eric Berry, Justin Houston, D. Ford, uh, Stephen Nelson, all these guys they, they, who either weren't re-signed or, or left via free agency, um, you know, they, they brought in a, a load of people. I, somebody was telling us earlier today, or, or put, maybe it was you putting um, uh, pencil to paper, how many new starters are we looking at here? Well, we're looking at probably probably six or seven, depending on the alignments, but something this made me look at just in the context of Veach, I just went back and looked at the op- the starting lineup in the first game in the Veach era was that game at New England in 2017. There was one defensive starter left on this team from that game, Chris Jones. Chris Jones. That's yeah. it. Everybody else gone. That's amazing. And and this it's not like this team hasn't had success in that time. This is the type of overhaul you'd expect from a team that was that went uh, you know five and eleven and four and twelve, not eleven and five and twelve and four. I think that sentence will enhance the thing I've been working on, Blair. Thank you for spackling that in for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna write that down before I leave. Well, thank you for joining us today, Vahe, and we will talk to you again soon. My pleasure, Blair. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State. 
and no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just eight cents a day or $2.50 a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com slash SportsPass. Hey, before we talk with Brooke Pryor, let's hear from Chiefs General Manager Brett Veach, who met with the media on Thursday. Uh, there's there's no one more driven than coaching our staff up there to get this thing and you know we're not trying to build for the future we're trying to win now and, and you know we're going to stay aggressive and we're going to try to put the best roster that we possibly can out there and Brooke Pryor is here she just got back into town after taking care of a little personal business <laughs> uh what was that Brooke uh, I got married. Got married. Got married. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's significant. My name hasn't changed, you know, branding and all that, <laughs> but I, I will answer to Mrs. Rickinson if I am called that. I've called that. But okay. Teddy said he'll answer to Mr. Pryor, and he already has. So it's equality. It's 2019. <laughs> well, congratulations to you and Teddy. So you cut the honeymoon short to return to Kansas City for the release of the Chiefs' 2019 schedule and the Brett Veach press conference. I thought that was pretty professional. Who doesn't want a honeymoon at Arrowhead? I, they're everyone. That's that's the hot new place. Uh, I cashed in all my Marriott points to make sure that we were back in time. Uh, no, but seriously, I did. Um, we're not we're not taking a honeymoon right now. We have some PTO things to work out, but. I did want to make sure that we were back in time for this press conference just because it's my first draft going through. It's, you know, obviously a significant time in the Chiefs schedule um, and in their offseason timeline and with the schedule being announced. Um, So it felt like Wednesday was a good time to to get back at it. And then obviously that with the press conference today, another like get back into the swing of things. There's also pizza. So I I showed up even without knowing there was going to be pizza there. Um, But yeah, I mean, it it was a good it was a good time to kind of get my feet wet again and, and get back into the flow. So did, did uh, Brett Veach say anything today that, um, that kind of raised your antenna? You know, the thing for me, and I'm working on this story right now, took a quick time out to hop on this podcast. Um, but the fact that the moves that they made during free agency were kind of protection from them having to overdraft when the draft kicks off next week. Um, and I think that's kind of a, a no duh type thing. Um, but it's true that but some of the to signings... Hear him say that, to hear him say right. that, you, we can speculate that, but exactly. he, he came out and said it. The fact that he said it is huge because so often, you know, these press, conference are, press conferences are really just, you know, a formality and we're just kind of dancing around each other and nobody really says what they mean. And so that is that is one thing that I, I love talking to Brett Veach because he is a straight shooter. He will tell you straight up what he thinks you know there there is some gamesmanship obviously he's not going to come right out and say well we're looking for a corner at pick 29 fingers crossed it's byron murphy um but in situations like this when he comes out and says yeah you know what those moves we made during free agency that was protection for us it's going to make sure that that i'm not overly aggressive um and i think for him this draft is a lot about balancing his urge to be really aggressive with also being passive and patient um and some of what he was saying about free agency, kind of, you know, we all thought maybe a month ago, yeah, it's a sure thing. The Chiefs are definitely going to try to trade up to take one of these top tier edge rushers or a safety or, or maybe even a top corner. Um, but after what he said, 
I think that we're going to see them pick at 29, maybe move up mm. to the low 20s, maybe 1918 if there's somebody there that they really, really want, um, depending on how the draft board shakes out. But the sense that I got was, you know, in, in signings like Tyron Matthew and Bashad Breland and, and Damien Wilson and Alex Okafor and the trade for Manuel Ogba, all of those moves were kind of made to make sure that hey, we can go into this draft and at 29, we're going to take best available. It doesn't necessarily have to be, we're, we're not going in saying we have to have a corner. We're going to take one that we've graded at a second or third round in the first because we need to fill that position that badly. They've right. got Bashad Breland. They're right. They don't, have to, they don't have to draft a starter with their first round pick. Exactly. But NFL readiness is huge um, because at the corner position, I've already mentioned Byron Murphy, a kid out of Washington, he would be a huge get for the Chiefs because I kind of think he could come in, come in and be a starter. You know, you put Kendall Fuller uh, at nickel. You have Bashad Breland be a starter also, and then Byron Murphy comes in as kind of that number three guy, uh, and that would be huge. So I think it's a bonus for them if they can get a position that they do have a little bit more need at that that is NFL ready. Um, but if there's you know like a Marquise Brown or something there. Why not? You right. know, that that would be really fun. Give Patrick Mahomes another weapon. Um, they could pick up an offensive lineman. Garrett Bradbury's been a, a popular name to float out with that number 29 pick, a center out of NC State. Get a D lineman, an edge, if, if you know, Cleveland Farrell fell to 29, something like that. But, you know, I, I think that, that the Chiefs are in a good position going into this draft. And, and we're going to talk about uh, the draft in a much bigger way next week on the ultimate draft podcast oh it's ultimate (laughs) well now you know it's serious Uh, the thing one of the things that struck me today was brett veach's references to players that uh that were already in you know on the 90 that he had acquired one way or the other either through the draft last year or through free agency so guys like armani watts and jordan lucas and traverius war byron pringle pringle was an really interesting name for him to to Mm -hmm. to bring up the kansas state wide receiver who suffered the injury in training camp last year but you know i've I've heard his name a couple of times andy Reid has referenced it and and now beach today you know they're pretty high on the guy they are and he had was the hamstring injury in the preseason game and then when they were evaluating that, they found a sports hernia. And so those two combined put him on IR. And I kind of thought that he would need another strong training camp and strong preseason to make the roster. Um, but it's sounding more and more like he's not necessarily a lock, but that they really like him. And, and maybe he doesn't need to have as stellar of an offseason preseason training camp as, as maybe I thought that he needed to to definitely get a spot. Well, and wide receiver is a position that uh, it's interesting for a couple of reasons, um, one of which is uh, uh, Chris Connolly is gone, left in free agency to the ja- Jaguars, I believe. Yes, right? yes, week one. It's we'll right. see him. We'll see Chris Connolly. And and there's uncertainty surrounding Tyreek Hill. Uh, so, but Andy Reid said earlier this week, he was singing the praises of Demarcus Robinson, which I thought was interesting as well. So, um, maybe a, just a kind of a different look at the wide receiver position next year. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that also in, in a bigger way next week. The other news that the Chiefs made this week, as did the entire NFL, was the release of the 2019 schedule. And I, I was, I don't think I've ever seen more excitement, a, a longer period of excitement for a, an announcement that, uh, that, who's, that, that the effect wore off in about two and a half minutes after it was made. I mean, the, um, we, we spent all day wondering and, and chasing leaks and 
<laughs> I'm just shaking my head. Like this is one of those times when I wish we were on Facebook Live so everyone could see how disinterested my face is. Uh, because one way or another, we were going to find out what the schedule was. Uh, but yeah, there was a lot of buildup for something that like, congrats. Oh, yeah, now, now, yeah. we, now we all know what we're going to be doing in four months. We knew that everybody knew their opponents. And, yes. some of, and some of the games had been leaked out. We knew the Chiefs weren't playing in the... The, uh, the Thursday night opener, that had already been announced, Packers and Bears. We thought that the Chiefs and the Patriots might have been aligned for the for the Sunday night opener. That that didn't happen. So, sure the Chiefs, the, the, so the Chiefs got their 16 games, as did every other NFL team. I thought it was a little bit interesting that they start with two on the road, right? At yeah, Jacksonville, again. at Oakland, for the second straight year. Last year, we were told that the reason the NFL likes to – start teams home and away or away and home. Right. But then last year, the Chiefs started away away because of the Taylor Swift concert at Arrowhead. Will there be another Taylor Swift concert? There is no concert scheduled for Good, Arrowhead. Good, because I had a lot of FOMO last year when I missed both Taylor Swift and Ed Sheeran at Arrowhead. Um, not thrilled with that. Uh, I understand that if any blockbuster concert comes through Arrowhead in the fall, I will miss it if it's on a weekend. Uh, still not thrilled about it. Um, but yeah, it, it is interesting that the Chiefs, that the NFL did that to the Chiefs two years in a row. Last year, we kind of thought, and it was not a kiss of death because nothing is a kiss of death early in the season, but that the Chiefs were going to come out of those first four games with three of the first four on the road um, with at least one loss, and that wasn't the case. Uh, this year, again, they have three out of the first four on the road. Um, they don't open until at home until week three against the Ravens, and then they're what back on the road for the Lions. Right. Um, it's this this year's opening schedule is a lot easier, even if it is this, a similar pattern to what it was last year. So look for them to start one and three. Come right. Out well, I did on my schedule prediction that I did last night. I have them losing to the Raiders in week two because I just like to stir up controversy, I guess, uh, as has been said. But I do think that that could be a surprising game. I also think Detroit could be kind of a trap game when you're coming off of that home opener. Uh, they could easily be looking ahead to who's their week five opponent. Is that the Colts? Yeah, that Colts-Texans go back-to-back, back, Yeah, right? that's right. So Colts Sunday Night Football. Detroit, uh, the only thing exciting about Detroit is the possibility of playing there on Thanksgiving. Sorry, Matt Stafford. Uh, there's just, you know, it's kind of a ho-hum game in between two significant games. So I think right. that could be a trap situation. I still have the Chiefs winning that one, but um, obviously there's a lot more things that are going to happen between now and the start of the season. Uh, but the first, the opening slate of games, I think they're going to come out 3-1. and one. Yeah, that that sounds about right. Uh, they came four four and zero last year. So, uh, you know, so you're 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 driving back from North Carolina. Yes. On, uh, you hopped in the car. A lot, on, lot of time on I seventy. Yes, on, on I seventy. Let me. I sixty four to I seventy. Having made that drive, you would have gone I forty to I seventy seven to I sixty four to seventy. Um, is that the one that's going through Nashville? Is that the drive? Are you talking going through West Virginia? West Virginia. The West yes, Virginia that is the drive we did. We yes. paid like $12 to drive through West Virginia. <laughs> right. That's why. Why do we spend that money? But And what does one do when when driving um, through, through parts of Virginia, West Virginia, um, Kentucky? You know, when one has cell phone service, which was rare, uh, you just do mock drafts for fun, as any new bride would do. Um, it was, it, I just went between ordering things off the Zola registry that people got for us, like hitting that ship button, which is just really rewarding. Like, yes, I will take this popcorn maker. Uh, and I do want these new bed sheets. And then also let's run through a seven round mock draft, um, which is, you know, just a blast. 
Uh, and this time I, I had been doing my mocks through Fanspeak, but Fanspeak is not super mobile friendly. Uh, the draft network though does have a mobile friendly mock system. So I ran through a couple seven round mock drafts drafting as, as the chiefs. And then just for fun, I had them do one where you can click like chiefs. Like I want to see the, the draft simulator auto draft for the chiefs with the big board and, and the team's needs. And then, uh, so for this mock draft that we published online Wednesday, um, went through and did a side-by-side comparison of my second mock that I did was a, a manual one and then the auto simulator. And the frustrating thing is I don't know how their algorithms shift, but when I ran through my first two mocks as I was drafting for the Chiefs, Byron Murphy was never available at 29. He got the, taken the corner, off the board. The quarterback from Washington. Quarterback from Washington. He, he's getting a lot of love on this podcast, so... Come on, Byron. Uh, you're really getting pumped up here, so it guarantees the Chiefs will not take it. Won't be available. Uh, and then when this when the auto one went through and did it, lo and behold, Byron Murphy available at 29. I was like, come on, like what? That's not fair because that's who I wanted to take. Um, so I took Chauncey Gardner Johnson, a safety from, Flor- um, from Florida. Florida. Yep, mm-hmm. all round versatile guy. I think he would pair really well with Tyron Matthew. Um, they're both versatile players I think that you could kind of alternate who's free who's safety neither one's really locked it or strong neither one's really locked into one of those spots and I think that that's what the Chiefs and Steve Spagnuolo like is that versatility and that flexibility to kind of move them all over the field um so I I felt good about that uh my internet is not connecting because that's how long I haven't been in the office uh it's making me change passwords so I can't tell you who else I had at all the different spots but I do remember that I had the Chiefs addressing uh their tight end need um I waited too long to get a a quality edge guy and I kind of regret that and I just kind of panicked and drafted one uh in the sixth round I think and that was one of those points when the internet was kind of sketchy so I couldn't google like Oh, is Wyatt Ray really someone that fits the system? No, he fits a three-four instead of a four-three. But hey, I drafted him and drafted him anyway. Um, but yeah, I I think overall the AI artificial intelligence beat me in the draft. If if we're ha- going to have winners and losers, um, only because their algorithm let them take a player that I really wanted. Uh, but we both took Voshan Joseph, the linebacker. I can't think where he's from. The auto draft took him in the second round. I was able to grab him, I believe, in the fourth, which is just kind of interesting the way that those different things shake out. But I think that that linebacker is a priority uh, for the Chiefs because I'm not I'm not sold on on the guys that they have now being guys that they can ride with all season. I'll tell you if I've heard that wedding trip story once. I've Doesn't heard everyone it a thousand honeymoon times like that? To, to no. Returning home, doing a mock draft uh, on the on the highways and byways of. Of the Ohio Valley. So. I also read uh, a Casey draft guide during my hair and makeup trial uh, on Monday because, again, you're in the chair for a really long time. And, like, I my hair and makeup artists, they were great. They were wonderful. They also didn't really want to chat about the Chiefs, which is fine understanding. But, like, I've got things to do after the wedding. Like, the world, surprisingly, doesn't actually stop when you get married and things keep happening. Wait, what? I know. It's amazing. So I was like, well... I have some time here. I'm going to be in this chair for like three hours. I'm going to go ahead and download this draft guide and flip through it and at least, you know, maximize my time. So that's what I did, like all brides do. (laughs) Well, we're glad to have you back. I'm happy to be back. I kind of wish I had a little bit longer off, but 
it's okay. We're going to take a bigger honeymoon a year from now. Uh, well, probably next June because I don't want to miss a minute of the dra- of the build up to the draft. Uh, well, and then OTAs and minicamp, and you know, it's, it's I can't so much I can't fun. miss it. It's just it's going to be the time of my life. Uh, far more important and exciting than a honeymoon could ever be. Thanks for hanging out with us, Brooke Pryor. Of course, I'm happy to do it. You can find links to Brooks and Vahe's stories in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Until next time, thanks for listening to Sportsbeat KC.